In 2007, TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. We were on this mission together. We were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen, Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now. This is a CBC Podcast. I'm Tom Power. You're listening to Q. I'm so excited for you to hear this because I think this is my favorite TV show of this season. And I'll do my best to describe it. The best way I can describe it is, you know that feeling when you're driving in your car and it's a nice night and the windows are a little bit down and a really good song comes on. Something with feeling, something that brings you back to your childhood. I don't know, something like this. I mean, unbelievable. Whitney Houston, 1992, song called I Have Nothing. So yeah, let's put ourselves back there. You're driving along, you're caught up in the moment. You start to picture yourself as the main character in the music video or or dancing to it or playing it on stage with a big audience in front of you. Carolyn Taylor had that feeling one day in 2014 as she was driving with her girlfriend and she was listening to the song you just heard. And right away, she knew She knew that she had to choreograph a full-length, professional, Olympic-level, pairs, figure-skating routine to the song. Now, Carolyn Taylor, if you don't know her, is an artist, a comedian, an actor, writer, director, and showrunner from Canada. She co-created and starred in one of the best Canadian comedy shows of all time, Baroness Von Sketch Show. All those things that I just told you that Carolyn is, that's, that's true, comedian, actor, writer, director. This is important. She's not a choreographer. She's not a figure skater. She never has been. But she ends up getting in touch with figure skating royalty like Kurt Browning and Brian Orser, plus a bunch of gold medalists who she'll tell you about. Most importantly, when you watch the show, you get to see someone learn how to live out their lifelong dream. Again, I just love the show. Carolyn joined me in our studio to talk about it. The show is called I Have Nothing. Here's my conversation with Carolyn Taylor. How are you? Hi, Tom. I'm well, thank you. I think (laughs) this is the coolest and weirdest and funniest and best show I've seen in so long. What? Congratulations. Thank you, Tom. Can we Can we get to the story here? Yeah, sure. So Whitney Houston, are you a big Whitney Houston fan growing up? Well, listen, I grew up with Whitney Houston. So listening, you know, as a kid when Greatest Love of All came out, I was a young teen and like, I was like, oh, yes, I learned about self-esteem from Whitney all at once. Do you Mm -hmm. know that one? No. Anyway, it's all at once. Oh, yeah. Drifting drifting And my dog had died, and I played it over and over. Sad. So I grew up with Whitney, but I wasn't like her number one fan, but she was part of my life. I love, you know, Whitney for sure. And then, of course, The Bodyguard came out in 92. And so I would have heard the song like any of us, but it wasn't until I heard it on this particular occasion in the car that uh, in, I think it was 2014. And 
I'm like, oh my God. It was just clear, crystal clear. Where were you going? I think I was driving to the Eastern Townships. Okay. I think it was winter. Yeah. And the song comes on the radio? It comes on, well, it actually was on a CD. In the stand-up, I say it was the radio, but in truth, I think it was a CD. Who knows? It came on. And I heard the song, and I turned to my girlfriend. I was like, oh my God, this song has to be a full-length professional Paris figure skating routine. And I became obsessed. I'm like, do you hear the jump? Like, I, I had to get her to understand and anyone else to understand. Like, hey, listen to this song. Like, it just seemed so abundantly clear that you could win gold with this song. And my reference point was really the 88 Olympics because that was when I followed skating the most, the sort of early 90s, you know, late 80s, early 90s was when I was really fixated. And so I populated the routine with Katarina Witt in my mind and Kurt Browning, two single skaters doing a Paris routine. I mean, that would have been enough, right? Because you were doing that in your stand-up. You went, yeah. you did it in your stand-up. So then I did it on stage. So it kicked around in my head for two years. And then I'm like, maybe I'll try it on stage. So I try it on stage to see, you know, and I try, I play the song, I land the jumps, I do a little preamble. Big laughs. Big laughs. People are laughing, really responding. And so I do that for a while, but a bit of a dilettante, ah, sometimes here or there. Then I start doing it and, and May and I did it together in May Halifax. Martin. We were on a double bill and uh, May Martin. And then I start telling the audience I'm going to do it one day. I don't, why did I say that, Tom? I got carried away and they're laughing and I'm like, oh yeah, network's going to be like, well, what do you want to do after Baroness? I'm like, oh, and they're going to green light this thing. Like, what? And the audience would laugh. And that was a joke in the set. Yeah. And then? And then the pandemic hit. And then I was like, well, why not? Like, how would I do this? I had a lot of time on my hands. And so I just started thinking it through and talked to an editor, Dana McLeod in Montreal and we were working on a little sizzle, and then I brought on Zach Russell, who's amazing, yeah. uh, another executive producer and director on the show. And uh, we, Zach and I, just dug deep, and we're like, okay, how would we do this? And we did a sizzle with Catalyst. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, they came on; they were the producers, and, and Blue Ant, who um, got behind the show. And, mm-hmm. and so we, we produced a, a sizzle to try to sell it. But hold on. The, 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 <laughs> the, 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 they're bypassing the, yeah. the, the, the thing that I find the most interesting mm-hmm. here, yeah. which is that you say to the people in the audience mm-hmm. of your comedy show, I'm going to do this. Yes. And then you go home during the pandemic and you think, oh, maybe I'll actually do this. And then yeah. you kind of skip ahead to, so I had to get some production. No. Yeah. So then Caroline, I, I you, you don't know how to choreograph or I how know. to do choreograph figure skating. I know. That's, I don't know, Tom. It, I was possessed. <laughs> like something was leading me. And I'm like, okay, uh, I guess. And it just like these doors kept okay. opening and I'm like, ah, uh, okay, well, I guess I'll learn. And was there a moment where you were like, okay, I got to do it now. Well, yeah. And, and a bit like, and the worst is I was saying, I need to be a choreographer who skates because there are many choreographers who don't skate, you know, who can choreograph a routine, but don't have to be on the ice. But somehow it was like, no, no. And I skate and I, Jeez, so it, the joke just, I had to pay off the joke and then it became real. Why, why were you obsessed with the... 1988 Winter, Winter Olympics, Olympics in Calgary. Calgary so much. Theme song, the best. Do you know? Are you too a, young? I'm too young. I was born in 87. Jeez. Okay. It's uh, anyone out there who is from Calgary or anyone who's old enough will know this song. It's a. Does this mean anything to you? David Foster wrote both I Have Nothing and the Calgary uh, theme song. That's nice. So I'm like, I think I just turned 15, 14 or 15 in my aunt's living room. And I, it's that that time it's pre-internet. I think I'm on my March break or February break. And I'm fixated. I'm seeing Katerina Witt in her Carmen outfit, like doing the Carmen routine. 
and the Battle of the Bryans, Battle of the Carmens, and I'm just like, who's that? Well, that was smashing. Yes, solid opening. I'm obsessed, and this is the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. I don't know that I say this in the show, but I I say I'm closeted about being closeted. I don't even, I'm not in touch with my sexuality. I'm just like, I cannot take my eyes off her. And I'm like, and I guess it was that time. It was riveting. There was a lot of narrative around it was the cold war right east versus west yeah she was the villain you know you're supposed to be cheering for you know liz manley or or debbie thomas and of course i'm cheering for liz manley she's amazing uh-huh. she's canadian but it was like my heart was with katarina yeah yeah and it was like the soviet union was involved oh, east germany west yes. germany oh my and it God. was like you know the reagan era like it was okay. big time you know we were we were on the edges of our seats we'll be right back Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. I want to go back to the I can't, I, I don't know how to be, a, I don't know how to choreograph, but uh-huh. I'm going to choreograph anyway. Uh-huh. I'm going to be a choreographer who skates, but I don't, you know, I'm not but that strong skate. a skater. Yeah. Uh. Is there something in you that's like, because one of my favorite parts of this documentary and the non-funny side yes. is people saying to you, you can't do this. Right. Like You keep that in the documentary. Oh, yeah. People go, Carolyn, there's no way you can do this. Like yeah. real people real are people. saying to you, you can't do this. Yeah. Something about, there's something there that you're like, well, come on, I'll show you. A little. I do respond well to pushback. So I think like a lot of us, it's like someone says, you can't. You're like, can't I? Yeah. And like, well, let's see. And it was just sort of one bite at a time. Like it was like, okay, well, can I do this? Well, can I do that? And then it just momentum builds, confidence builds in the next, you know, it's like you're working with Katya Gordieva and David Pelte. Like what? I can't, I still can't actually reconcile that with my 14 year old self. T- I, I can't. To tell the folks at home who those two uh, uh, oh, skaters are again. Yes. Okay. So Kat- Katarina, but Katya Gordieva, she won the 88 Olympics with her partner, Sergei Grinkoff, uh, so Gordieva and Grinkoff, they skated the most perfect routine. If you go back yeah. to 88, they were perfection. Uh-huh. And they were never going to fall. They were never going to make a mistake. And they were artful, uh-huh. right? Like they had it all. And uh, and then they won again at Lillehammer in 94. Wow, you... um, so she has two gold medals. And I watched her because she was 16. I'm 14 or 15. So I'm like, oh, you're a contemporary, yeah. right? And I'm like, how is she doing this? Like I couldn't believe it. She was the most perfect skater I'd ever seen. And then uh, David Peltier won gold in 2002 at uh, Salt Lake City. Canadian. Yeah, Canadian. David Peltier, yeah. Legend. 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 Strong. David Peltier can, like, lift people at a bar for fun, like, just as a party trick. Take me to the first day of rehearsals with them. What's yeah. going through your mind? I'm terrified. Like, I'm literally terrified. These are – I'm meeting Katik. Gordieva, and she's going to do this. And, and of course, I'd had, I didn't say this in the show because I'm too superstitious, but I was having nightmares, or I had a nightmare that Katya fell and like something bad happened. And I was like, oh God, if I break Katya Gordieva, like she's, 
you know, a yeah. goddess, right? Yeah. And so I was nervous. I didn't want to do anything wrong, you know, that brought harm to them on the ice. Yeah. And um, and they were skeptical, but warm. They were warm and skeptical. And then it was like, <laughs> let's hit the ice. And they're serious. Like, they don't want to mess around. Like, mm-hmm. And you, there's things I learned from Sandra Bessick. Like, oh, you don't, they, they can't get cold. You can't warm them up and then stand on the ice and chit-chat because then they're going to get cold. And that's when people get hurt. To, to tell the folks at home who Sandra Bessick is? Oh, Sandra Bezik, like one of the greatest choreographers. She choreographed, well, first the the first routine I was aware of was uh, Brian Boitano's Napoleon gold medal routine in 88. Like, oh, you have to watch that. Yeah, I will. That I will. was, I mean, Brian Orser's routine was beautiful too. But Boitano won the gold. Mm-hmm. And then she's worked with, you know, Underhill and Martini, the sexiest routines. Like, oh my God. These serious choreographer, hey? Serious choreographer. And with Katarina Witt, Carmen on Ice, um, you know, Kurt Browning, uh, Singing in the Rain, Casablanca, like the the great routines. What I found interesting about this part is yes. you're, listen, seasoned performer <laughs> in this country for a long time. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite moments is you're an improv performer. Yes. And... You, I believe there's a moment where you kind of go like, well, yeah, and then we'll figure some stuff out. And then you do this jump and then you do this and then we'll figure some stuff out. And they say to you like, hey, in figure skating, there's no improv. There's no we're going to figure this. Or, or yeah. like, we'll get hurt. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. What was that like for you? That was a horror show in my brain because I didn't understand. When I said I'm going to be a choreographer, I thought that meant – Oh, I know where the jumps are. You listen to the Whitney Houston song, anybody, you'll hear jumps. You'll know where the throws and the jumps are. So one, the skaters were like, well, we don't jump anymore. Like we're 50 and they're still like amazing. <laughs> yeah, they're incredible. But they're incredible. And they could do the death spirals and the lifts and everything. But the, the jumps that I was <laughs> like thinking about, I I was then like, okay, I gotta I gotta replace those. But they were like, no, no, the choreography is all the moments that you keep saying we'll figure something out. No, no, that's that's the stuff. And you have to tell us exactly. Like put my hand here hold her this way. You don't just say have fun because someone will get hurt. And there was a moment where they kind of did because we were we were kind of playing around a bit. And Yeah. So let's let's listen to a clip from the show. Uh, this is you with your own take on some figure skating elements. Mm. So I'm going to call that slow-mo one, two, three jog, you know. That's like Boitano's Red Eagle in 88. So I call it Eagle 88. And this is like Eagle 176 or Double Eagle or... 76? Yeah. 88 times two. <laughs> okay. What's that? Should we call it the seesaw? Yeah, I call it the seesaw. Like, there's this sort of thing, and then, well, I mean, it continues on, but I really, into the slow, into a stop glide, into a, st- into a, into a sliding stop. <laughs> I don't know. That's from the new Crave comedy series, I Have Nothing. I'm speaking with the, one of the creators, executive producers, and stars of that show, Carolyn Taylor. I love that, by the way. Just coming up with your own vernacular. <laughs> well, that's where the improv co- – and they said you can name the thing so that you're able to tell us. So tell us what you're, you want to call it. But they, like, show you something. You're like, oh, uh, running, yeah, running slow-mo, one, two, three, that for the audience. It's when you lift up – and, you know, they're sort of running slow-mo in the air. Yeah. I don't actually know if that's a move, but uh-huh. we were trying that. So that's slow-mo, one, two, three, jog. But, yeah, your brain – like, my brain was in hyper-focus, Tom. Like, there were times – where I wanted to 100% stop. I'm like, I'm not up to this challenge. I'm on the ice. They're looking at me saying, well, what next? Tell me what to do next. And as an improviser, I'm like, well, let's feel it yeah, out. Yeah, like, yeah. And it's like, no, no, we have four days. 
and that's not a lot of time. And even they can't for get cold. We and can't we stop. can't get cold and there's time limits and breaks and all that stuff. So we've got to get this thing done. Wow. And having to give them answers. And I'm a person who doesn't like to finalize something until the final moment. I'm like, I like to leave the window open for magic to come in. So I was, I'm always reluctant to be like, we're for sure doing this here. I'm like, well, let's see, you know, how does it feel? Yeah. And so that was one of the challenges, the the sort of, um, I don't know, is it a dialectic between chaos and control? Yeah. 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 What is the most, so like Peltier, yes. Gordieva. Yes. Also Sandra Bezik. Yes. Kurt Browning's in this. Yes. He, he, he shows up. Brian Orser. What is the most surprising thing about these people? How incredibly kind and generous they are with their time, their sport. They love their sport. You thought they might be a bit cold. Well, you thought I they didn't might know. Be... Would they be like, mm, yeah, I'm coming in. Like, I don't know if I expected that, but I was overwhelmed with how how warm they were, how generous, how much they wanted to help, and how open they were. I mean, Paul Martini at first was like, we met on a Zoom call. He's like, are you kidding? No one's ever going to do this. Like, he's laughing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Whoever is yeah. going to say yes. Yeah. But even he came around, and he was wonderful. So even if they had resistance at the beginning, they were really generous and playful, and they all really love each other and, and love their sport and, and want to elevate it and bring more attention to it. So I um, I just hadn't understood what a community they are. They were, I mean, they were with Katarina Witt when the wall fell in Berlin. Like they've known each other for so long. Uh, so it was really cool seeing them all hang out too. I was just, ha- I was like, oh, I'm okay. I'd just be happy to like just watch them hanging out. <laughs> it's all affection. I mean, you know, there's no shortage of figure skating stuff that's like mm. makes fun of figure skating. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. TV shows and um, yeah. movies I'm thinking of, like a, yeah. a movies that make fun of figure skating. Yeah. N- never the case. Uh, 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 love and affection. Jokes on you. Jokes on me always. Right. That was, uh, that was one of the guiding principles. And I assured everyone I worked with, the joke will always, it's not going to be a show where, the non-actors are the joke. Like, I will look, if anyone's going to look dumb, unhinged, uh You had to say that to them, I bet. I said that to everyone I worked with, the crew, inclu- everyone. Yeah. Like, don't worry. I'll be the one who looks foolish. It will not be you. So, um, and I gave them my word, like, and I will work to the best of my abilities. And, and sometimes as a comedian, you know, like, you want to have that kind of critical distance. And, and there is the tendency, I like you know, observing and and satirizing and commenting. And to say, I'm actually not going to do that. I'm going to leave that, which is really scary. When that was me leaving my comfort zone as well, beyond the ice and the choreography. (laughs) But to just try to live it and be there and and sacrifice some of the jokes sometimes uh, for the truth. And then the jokes came in a real way. And then, of course, we engineered, you know, a few Mm -hmm. fun things, of course. But Is there something here about, like, following... A dream, like you obviously love figure skating and love choreography, and maybe mm-hmm. you felt like, hey, that's not really a place for me. I don't come yeah. from that world. Yes. I don't. That's not really where I belong. Yeah. But you, I could tell, jokes aside, that you really wanted to be there, and it was really important to you. Is yeah. there something here about like following a dream, even if yes. people are telling you or it doesn't feel realistic to you? Yeah, there is, and that there are multiple ways into your dreams. You know, you may not be the Olympian who's, you know, I may never have had the body or the discipline or the skill or anything to, you know, pursue the dream as a figure skater or to be one. And in fact, when I was little, I didn't like being on skates. My feet were cold. I didn't like Mm -hmm. it. I wasn't drawn to become one. Mm -hmm. I just liked to watch it. So I would say with dreams, 
where do you fit in? It's, it's interesting. Your dream, you don't have to be the character you think you're going to be. You might arrive later and it may not be right away. And it's, I know it sounds cliche, but it's not too late. Like I'm, I was 49 heading off to do this thing. What? It's not too late occurred to me while I was watching this thing. Well, and we're valorizing like everyone's, you know, at least midlife or not everyone, but a lot of the main cast are, have lived yeah. some life and are amazing. Does accomplishing a very hard task mm-hmm. that you didn't think possible yes change you when you go back to your day job when you go back to your art form when you go back to comedy have you brought that back to other parts of your I life i think so. i think what it is beyond the actual skills of learning skating and choreography etc it's facing fears they come right up to you and when you have a contract and you're contractually bound to a show and you're doing it natural me would have said, oh, Tom, do you want to turn now? I'm done. Like, I tried to choreograph them. I can't as far as I can. Who else wants a turn? Like, that would be my natural um, state in in that moment. Yeah. And then it's like, well, no, you don't have that option, yeah. first of all. Yeah. And you can't. And mm-hmm. this is your dream. Mm-hmm. And you've got to go through. And people are like, oh, do you not have fear? It's like, no, all I have is fear. Right. And then you have to go through the fear and then confidence does build the more and then a new fear will come yeah so the fear is either oh Kat is going to fall and hurt herself oh now that went away because you know she's knows yeah. what she's doing yeah. yeah and then new fear oh you're not communicating well with yeah. her oh now you've communicated well but does it look right are they happy with it new fear are they going to be able to do it on the day new fear you know like it just and you have to keep going through the fears so in answer to your question yes it does build confidence to face your fears one fear at a time and they don't stop the fears yeah like they just keep coming i love that so but it does and if you say no to it it just gets bigger and when it comes next time it's going to be bigger yeah you still can overcome it i feel like i'm a motivational speaker now but it's beautiful come on this is real real stuff this is the real stuff yeah and then it comes back bigger and scarier and then you have to get even bigger to go through it and, and you had to do all that on camera with oh, the greatest figure skaters of all time. Of all time. Jeez. It's, it's, this, this, is why, this is why I started the interview by saying this is – I didn't just say it's the funniest show I've seen in a long time, but it's like the weirdest and best and most complicated and most inspiring show. Because in addition to feeling like, yeah, you're really funny and I laughed a lot, but I also thought about all that stuff, about yeah. facing fear, about confidence, about – Meeting our heroes and, and what they're actually going to be like. And yeah. it's so good, Carolyn. I Thank think it's going you. to do so well. Thank you. Congratulations Thank on you. it. Thanks for coming in. Thank you, Tom. Carolyn Taylor is one of the creators, executive producer, and the star of the new series, I Have Nothing, which is out now on Crave. That's it for this episode of Q. Uh, the other episode we put up today is my conversation with a big, big star of Indian cinema, Anil Kapoor, who is here to talk a little bit about, well, this new movie called Thank You for Coming, which I'm not going to spoil it. The plot, you'll hear when I describe to you the plot in that episode, it's it's unlike any other kind of film you've heard of. I mean, Anil talks about how it's unlike any other film, especially from, from Indian cinema. But also we talk about what happens when you're like the biggest star in Bollywood and you go to Hollywood and the challenges that you face there. A rare opportunity to talk to a true legend 
of Indian film, Anil Kapoor. Uh, you can find that uh, episode wherever you got this podcast. All right, we'll see you soon. Later on. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.